Good morning. This morning we'll be doing things a little differently this morning. Um, instead of me introducing our text, the text will be later in the sermon. Uh, we'll go straight to prayer this morning, and then you'll hear what the subject is the Lord's laid upon my heart. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord. I thank Thee, Lord, personally for Thy healing and the healing You have done in our family and bringing us here today and healing us, Lord, and continuing to heal us. And we thank Thee, Lord, that Thou art our healer. I thank Thee, Lord, that You heal the body and You heal the mind. Thou art truly faithful. Pray, Lord, at this time now that You would call us away from this world and that You'd fill our hearts and our minds with a subject matter that you've laid on my heart this morning, Lord, may it be of thee. May you anoint this hour and bring it forth with power, with love, with desire to know more, with desire to be fed. Lord, may you bring us to thy feet and instruct us in thy holy word. May you take us through the scriptures this morning. Speak to us, Lord, of what they mean, what they mean for us, and may it be personal. May you bring each one of thy children in this room to see, to understand, and to commune with thee, Lord. For this I ask for thy glory and for thy name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This morning I'd like to talk to you a little bit about heaven. i got to admit I don't know a lot about it. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to tell you I know a lot about it. I do want to speak to you about what the Bible says about it. Um, it's been a different year for me. I've, I've had, uh, you know, probably in the last five to ten years, I could probably count on my hand how many times I've been sick. And, and this year's been a little rougher with COVID hitting first and then whatever this viral thing was that went through our house. Um, a, lot of, a lot of thoughts been in my mind and, and a lot of humbling and a lot of, uh, you know, you, there's not much you can do when you're sick. There's a lot of misery there and a lot of thought about the way things used to be just a few weeks ago or the way you hope that they will be. And, and I, I'm, that's why I come to the subject, been brought to the subject I want to speak about today is um, because the Lord has shown me and has communed with me in these times that to put in proper perspective that this isn't heaven. I say those words to my wife a lot and my children as we complain about the day or we complain about the way things are. Uh, the Lord's always impressed that upon me. This isn't heaven. Um, but there is. There is a special place for his special people. And that special place the Bible calls the abode of God. It's where God reigns. It's, it's, it's spoken of in, in Isaiah and Acts the Lord has said, the heaven is my throne, for it is where our God reigns today. His Son reigns as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's nothing, nothing outside of His reigning, nothing outside of chance and happenstance that could happen that could, can thwart His reign or interfere with His reign. And I think about that because, like I said, when I'm sick and I'm miserable, I don't have that time of communing with the Lord. Sickness breaks it. Sickness breaks it. Sin breaks it. 
Pain mars it, breaks it. There's many things in this life that I could sit here and tell you breaks my time of communing with the Lord. But in this place, in this place where my Lord reigns, where he will bring all of his children, there will never be a break in that again. Never. And as I said, I'm saving our text to later because I want to speak about the greatest joy that's in heaven. The Bible tells us what that is. But before we get there, I want to speak about some of the things that the Bible says um, about heaven. I can't imagine its beauty. I can read Revelation. I can read, I could see paintings, and I have. I've seen things that man has taken out of the, the streets of gold and the pearly gates and all of those things, which they have made beautiful drawings and beautiful paintings, and, and I've looked at those, and, and every time I see them, I think the same thing. That's not heaven. Heaven's unspeakable. Heaven is something that we're, we're never, we've never seen here on earth. Never. It's indescribable. We'll know one day what heaven is like. We'll know what it looks like. We'll know the attributes of heaven, so to speak. Today, I just want to focus on what the Bible says about it first before we rest on our text. And I'd like to start in 1 Peter 1 because the Bible does tell us that heaven is where our inheritance is. You know, it's a funny thing about an inheritance. Back in the time that these words were written in the Bible, it was all the inheritance, most of the uh, possessions always went to the firstborn. They were the one with the birthright. So they were the one that was given the, the most, so to speak, the highest blessing. And today is like that too. Anyone who leaves an inheritance for their children can determine how to break up that inheritance. To this child I leave this, or to these children I leave nothing. It's all in the mind of the one who leaves the inheritance. But the inheritance for the children of God is not like that. For we all will inherit the same thing, heaven. We will all inherit everything that there is in heaven for us. And Peter, in 1 Peter, he starts in 1 Peter 1 and it starts this way, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. And you'll see why that, that moniker is so important to the children of God. It's something that we identify with. Because this isn't our home. We're a stranger to earth. We're a stranger to this place that we wander in this wilderness. That we, and we have a longing to go home, according to these scriptures. But Peter said to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, elect, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. For he elected a people before there was ever an earth, there was a, before there was ever time. The foreknowledge of God said, these people are my people. My son will die for those people and the Holy Spirit will seal them until the day of redemption. And elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. That's the sealing, the keeping. Unto obedience. This is all what the Lord has done. 
The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have obedience because of the blood of the Lamb. What is that showing us? That He was always obedient to the Father's will in everything He did, even to the laying down of His life. That's why that terminology is used. Unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It shows the child of God that Christ is His obedience. Because Christ has perfectly kept the will of God. We see every day how we fall short to that. How we don't do the will of God. I just mentioned the things that break our communion with the Lord. And then we get angry with ourselves. Especially when we're sick. This is a time for the healer. It's a time to commune with the Lord. But no, I'd rather commune with misery. Or I'd rather commune with, with other thoughts. But the Lord is faithful. He's faithful according to His obedience. Unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed, are, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us, has borne us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we see that quickening life that we're given. And Jesus said, ye must be born again. We have life because of the resurrection life of Christ. That is our life. We live because He lives. We live because He was triumphant over death. He was triumphant over sickness. He was triumphant over sin. He's triumphant over all of those things that break our communion with Him. Blessed be Him who is, by His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. This is what He's born us again for. This is what He's birthed us into the kingdom for. This is what He's given us new life for. To an inheritance. That inheritance we spoke of a minute ago that is the same for all of the children of God. To an inheritance that is incorruptible. It can't be corrupted by man today. It can't be corrupted by this society. We're going to talk about that. One of the things that you and I grieve about is the society that we live in. Things are far worse than they've ever been. And it doesn't matter if you say that however old you are in the room. Even the youngest one in here, Ellie, she probably can think of earlier in her life when things weren't as openly debauchery as they are now. And no matter how much we as parents try to shield our children from those things in this world, the world whacks worse and worse. And through the internet and through the liberality of sin and man's constant depraved nature, all of that is thrown toward it. Through the, and we see it. We see it everywhere we look. We mourn. We don't laugh at it. The children of God do not laugh at it. And they certainly don't get involved with it. We mourn it. We shun it. We desire a better place. 
That's what this inheritance is. It's incorruptible and it's undefiled. And it does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven. That's what it tells us. Our inheritance is in heaven. And it's reserved for you, the child of God, the elect that Peter's talking about. Who are kept. How do we know that inheritance is secure? It's because of our surety. If you you look at Jesus' life and He gives you faith to look at His life, everything He did, He did for His church. Everything He did was secure life for us here, but eternal life for us there. Everything He did was to provide for us in our life, in our death, in our resurrection, and in our ascension to Him. Just as He did and went first. He is the first fruits of all of His children. What He went through, we will go through. That's His promise. That's what these scriptures tell us. That's part of our inheritance. And it's undefiled. We, not only can the world not mess it up, but we can't. I think about that a lot, about how I defile things, how I mess things up many times. Sometimes things are going fine till I get my hand in them. At least they seem that way. And then when I get my hand in them, it kind of messes things up. I don't mean to. It's just me. But I can't mess this inheritance up. It's secure. It's secured by my surety and it's kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We need faith. We need it every day of our walk here on earth until salvation. Until that day that we're talking about now. Until we're taken to heaven. We won't need faith anymore. who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Praise be to God. He's faithful. That's what that says. He's faithful to give and to present His inheritance to all of His children. That's the first thing we see in the Word of God that I ask you to go and look at this morning. We see it's where our inheritance is. That's where heaven is. No matter what your parents leave you, no matter what they don't leave you, no matter what the riches of this world have, it's nothing. It's for here. No one will ever take anything that is earthly to heaven. Our heavenly inheritance is in Christ Jesus and it's secure. The second thing I'd like to say about heaven is it is our Father's house. I want you to think about that. We all love our homes. I know I do. I I work, you know, every day. I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home to my family. I want to go home to them who love me. I want to go home to my, my place where I can rest and get away from the world, so to speak. Go with me over to John 14, if you will. 
we know these words are the words of Christ. Listen to them this morning. May your soul hear them. May you hear them by faith. May you hear the love of Christ in the words that he says to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. You believe that God has ordained all things. Believe what Jesus is about to say. Faith apprehends what Christ is saying as truth. Faith does. Intellect can't do it. Intellect will always doubt. Understanding in the mind can't do it. Understanding in the mind will doubt. But faith, living faith, apprehends what Christ says in His Word, and it believes it. It believes everything that comes forth from His mouth. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh Lord, say that to our hearts now. We're all troubled by different things. Some troubled by sickness, some troubled by the world, some troubled by finances, some troubled by health, some troubled by uncertainty, some troubled with sin. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now this is what I have to say to you. In my Father's house, My Father's house are many mansions. I know our mind goes to the biggest house, but it's a dwelling place. In my Father's house, there's many dwelling places. If it were not so, Jesus said, I would have told you. I go. I ascend to the Father. I have accomplished all things. For my people, I go to prepare a place for you. Do you believe him? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, our forerunner, has gone before us, has ascended into heaven, is reigning as a king, and will reign there even after our last breath is taken on this earth? And as it's taken, he will come and take us home. He has prepared a place for you, for each one of his children. That's in heaven. I have prepared a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. We know that all of our days, according to the Bible, as long as we're not the last group standing, we're going to have death. It's a certainty. All men are destined to die. But in that last moment, that last breath, who's there for us? That's what he said. I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself. I will usher you into eternal life. I will do it. Do these scriptures melt your heart? Do they speak to your soul? Do they say to you, this is my Redeemer. This is the one who has loved me and given his life for me. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, where is he? In heaven, reigning. There ye may be also. 
And whether you go, whether I go, you know. You know. And the way you know. You what does that tell us about heaven? Each of God's children have an understanding that this earth is not their home. If you find yourself clutching to the things of this earth, and if you find yourself desiring more and more of the things of this earth, something is wrong in your soul. He's not your one desire. Jesus said, whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas comes in in his earthly understanding and he says, Lord, how do we know whether you go and how can we know the way? And Jesus says those words that we love. Jesus says those words that we cherish because he is our truth. He is our way and he is our life. But in this instance, He's saying, I am the way to heaven. I am the truth of heaven. I am the life of heaven. Just as he is here on earth. I know that's been said many times from this pulpit. We have said that. If you don't enjoy Christ here on earth, if he's not your one desire, if he's not the king of kings in your life here on earth, he won't be in the next life either. He prepares his children here by revealing himself to them. And you're going to see that in these scriptures today about heaven. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Solomon called heaven our long home. He called it that way because he said it's it's the eternal place. This isn't our home. It's our long home. He said that in Ecclesiastes 12.5. He said, Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home. For the child of God... We have a long home prepared for us. You know, some of us have lived in different homes in our lives. And some of us will have different homes in the rest of our lives. But the home, the long home, the home that the Lord has spoken of in His Word, in His Father's house are many mansions. It is a prepared place for the children of God. It is everlasting. It is our final home. There'll be no more wandering. There'll be no more going to and fro. There'll be no more thinking, is there another place for me? It'll be a final place, a final abode, and we'll desire no other home. And and it'll be ours by adopting grace only. As you've seen in these passages today, all you've seen is what Christ has done for His people. What He has for His people. What He has procured for His people. It's all of Him. Another thing I'd like you to know about heaven according to the Scriptures, it is a far better country. It's a better country 
Now, immediately our mind, probably, if your mind's like mine, goes to the country that we're living in. And, and uh, listen, we have many freedoms. I, 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 I can't dispute that. I, I love the fact that God has preserved where we live, where we can sit on Sundays together, commune in His Word. We can go, we can make a living, have the freedom to do so. We have lots of freedoms. We see across this country that there are some losing their freedoms. It causes us to mourn, causes us to fear, causes us to cry out to the Lord to preserve those freedoms. You know why we do that? Because we're fixated on this country. Because it is the one we live in. But the Word of God tells us there's a far better country. If you go to Hebrews 11 with me, we'll pick up there. We know Hebrews 11. We call it the roll call of faith chapter, I suppose, or the faith chapter. And <clears throat> We'll just pick up in 13 for what we're talking about this morning. And Paul, I believe, is the writer of Hebrews. He says these, and he's speaking of those that he spoke of before, Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Enoch and Abel. He said these all died in faith, the same faith. The faith of the Son of God. Not having received the promise. Not having seen the manifestation of Christ. Isn't that something we have in common with them today? We weren't here when Christ walked. We receive Christ by faith. We assent to these scriptures that he was born. He came in time. That he lived till he was 33, 32 and a half. And he laid down his life. For his people. Faith tells us that. The Holy Spirit reveals that's what Christ did. And that he died and rose again and ascended and now he's reigning. These all died in faith not having received the promise but having seen them afar off. Just like us. They looked toward the promise that Christ was coming. We kind of looked back. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed, listen to this, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. When you look back at what Christ did for you and you look by faith forward to what Christ has done for you, do you view yourself as a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. That's peculiar because the people you run in, in contact with and the people you see in this world are of the world. They're of the earth, earthly. They look and they got their claws in this earth and they want more of this earth. They want more of the world. They want more and more and more. Do you find yourself out of place? Do you find yourself here with the saints that they confessed in their soul and their mind and with their mouth that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth? For they that say such things that they're strangers and pilgrims declare plainly that they seek a country. What kind of country? 
And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, for Sarah and Abraham, it was the land of Chaldee. For all of those that were spoken of, they all had come from a place. If truly our mind is taken up with the world, we would have opportunity to return to that world. Would we not? Can you? Does your life testify of that? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you find it in here today and you say, I've had plenty of opportunity and I've went back to the world. I've desired the world. I still desire the world. I just want to stick to the scriptures. I want the scriptures to speak. The scriptures are telling us today what the people of God long for. What faith brings us to. What brings us what faith brings us to confess. And it says they would have had opportunity to have returned, but now, now they desire a better country. A better abode. That is a heavenly one. They desired heaven. That's why they say they're strangers and pilgrims. Dear ones, it's okay to desire heaven. The saints of old desired heaven. The saints in the word of God desired heaven. We today desire heaven. Your soul groans. It groans. That's what Romans 8 tells us. Our souls groan. They groan for the Lord to reveal to us to the adoption of our body to take us to heaven in a glorious place. And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Just a few seconds. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. There's no shame in worshiping God. There's no shame in walking around and speaking to those who, who you love, that love you in the truth, that you commune with in the truth. For He has prepared for them a city. That same city that Abraham said over in verse 10, that faith said of Abraham, he looked for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. We look for that heavenly city. We look for that country, that better country. But why is it better? Turn with me over to Revelation 21. Now we're getting close to our text. We come to Revelation 21. John, under the power of the Holy Ghost, says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. See, that's the thing about heaven. All things are new. He makes all things new. And I saw John, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. I saw the church coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. See that? All of him were prepared by his preparing. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. 
And God himself shall be with them and be their God. This is heaven. And then in very descriptive language, we hear verse 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You and I, we cry about a lot of things. If we're not outward criers, we cry within. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of things to sorrow over, whether it's, as I've said, health reasons, family reasons, the country that we live in. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes because there won't be tears anymore in heaven. And there shall be no more death. No more death. These are the things that break that come in the fear of death. Hebrews 2 tells us all our life we're subject to the fear of death. And every time we're fearing death, our communion with our eternal God is broken. We worry and we fear and we think about what we're going to leave behind. We think about what it means. We're scared. And the only remedy is when Jesus comes to show us what He has done and where He is taking us. Heaven. Where there's no death, there's no tears, there's no sorrow. Let that sink in a minute. There's no sorrow. How many times do we sorrow in a day? How many Things we hear, things we see, things that are going on in our bodies. There'll be no, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall be any more pain. You know what? There'll be no more sin. And there'll be no more corruption. It's sin that causes the decay of these bodies. Sin that causes pain. Sin that causes sorrow. The wicked one coming with all of his devices to cause these very things sorrow, pain, for all the former things are passed away. And all things are new. He makes all things new. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and He will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom. That's the Lord and Savior. Now we're going to go to our text. And that's just turning the one page over. To Revelation 22, we'll read down to it. Everything I've said thus far, as you've seen by the Scriptures, is true. Everything is true about heaven. The Bible has revealed those things. There's other things in the Word of God that tell us. There's so much that is said, and there's so much there's not said. There's one thing that I've withheld 
that is the greatest glory, the greatest thing, the greatest that we'll partake in in heaven. Chapter 22 starts this way, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bore bare twelve manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there should be no more curse. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ became our curse, Galatians 3 tells us, that we will never be cursed. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. You hear so much about people talking about heaven. Oh, in heaven, His servants will serve Him. He will be our one desire. Our hearts will never tire. And then verse 4 is our text. And they shall see His face. Every child of God shall see His face. That songwriter said, When by His grace I shall look upon His face, that will be glory, be glory for me. To look on the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then it, it says a little more than, and it says it, they shall see His face and His name shall be in their foreheads. His name will be in our thoughts. His name will captivate our minds. This mind that wanders so much every day. This mind will be stayed upon Him in perfect peace. My eyes will behold my loving Savior. I will look upon His face. I will see Him as He is. I will see everything perfectly for what He has for me. I will be captivated. I will be fixated on nothing else. You want to know what the glory of heaven is? If you've experienced the fallenness of your mind here, the fickleness of your belief here, the inability of yourself to love Him, to believe in Him, to embrace Him, to hold Him, to not let Him go. If you've experienced that, you will know when, this, when these words are read, they shall see His face. They shall see His face. It's an absolute truth. They shall see His face and they, His name shall be in their foreheads. We will be captivated with our Savior. Nothing will break that communion. Nothing. He will be our all in all. Not by faith, by sight. Let that sink in. We can't fathom that. 
We can't, we can't get to what that means because we're so polluted by everything in this world and in our own depraved nature. Keep your finger there and turn with me over to 1 John 3. You know the passage, right? 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, John says this, Now are we the sons of God. Today we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. This isn't heaven. The mind we have today by faith is not the mind we'll have later. It's just a, a, an earnest of it, a little bit of it. It's a glimpse of heaven. But we, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is, not as He was, although that was glorious. We will see Him as He is in His glorified body. We will see Him reigning as our King of kings. We will worship Him in unbroken worship. We will behold Him with our mind and our understanding and our will and everything in us will be pure by Him. That bride that was prepared, that John saw, He's done it all for us. And that glorified body that we'll be in will be readied. And it will have our soul and there'll be no sin. And there'll be nothing to break us down. There'll be no pain. There'll be none of that to interfere with looking upon His face and having Him in our mind 24-7. And He will be our one desire. That is our everlasting joy. Many people believe that the earliest book written in the Word of God was Job. Job says in Job 19, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He shall see God in the manifestation of His Son. Jesus said, If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. You remember what He told Moses? He said, uh, No man can look upon me and live. No mortal man can. But immortal men, those who the Lord brings to heaven, His saints, He readies us that we can look into the face of our Redeemer. The mind can be united with His mind. We will have the mind of Christ always. I don't know what else could get more glorious than that. Paul said it this way. He said, now we see through a glass darkly. You know that? We, we don't see these things. We can't comprehend them because of sin, because of unbelief. But then, 
face to face, he said. Face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Perfect knowledge of my Savior. Perfect knowledge of worship. Perfect understanding and love and adoration to my Savior. Jesus said these words in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 24. He says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. I will it. And I know my will is your will, Father, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Oh, my desire is to behold his glory. I am thankful for faith. I am thankful for that living faith that he gives to behold him at times, times stronger than others. Sometimes little faith's enough to apprehend. Sometimes that strong, strong faith is needed to move that mountain of doubt and guilt. And he is sufficient for all of those times because we live by the faith of the Son of God. But I pray, I ask the Lord to search us today to answer the question, is this our desire? They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever in the light of the Son of God, who loved us and gave his life for us. Dear Heavenly Father, May you add thy clarity, thy love, and thy power to thy word this morning. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.